seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 125 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As always, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 125 episodes, I got my main man, Brian Allen, by my side. How is it going, dude? 125. It feels like, you know, I, I, it's like if it were a comic book, you would have huge letters, you know, somebody would probably die in the issue. We'll try to avoid that. <laughs> well, we at least debut a new costume. But yeah, we could do that. That's safe. We ain't got to kill anybody off yet. But yeah, this is crazy, man. 125 episodes. I mean, we're we're heading toward a third full year or whatever. Like, that's crazy. This is clearly the longest running show of my career, and it stopped being close a long time ago. Yeah, this is wild, man. This is wild. So we appreciate everybody for being along for the ride, just like we appreciate the show sponsor, Cardsphere.com. You like that segue there? So (laughs) if you're looking to buy cards, you're looking to sell cards, check out the folks over at Cardsphere. They are some good folks for real. They support up-and-coming Magic content creators. And their site's really nice. And they even have a very active Discord. So if you ever want to do personal trades or you want to just ask a question about the site or whatever, you can hop over there and it's really active. So yeah, great people over there. Go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash color magic. And you could get a shout out just like our newest patron, Timothy Figler, who came in at our blue level. So thank you, Timothy, for coming and joining us. And I don't know, we're going, I, did we decide we're just calling our people the peeps for now? Because we couldn't figure out anything else? I, we're <laughs> still, I feel like we're still taking suggestions. I'm still going to take suggestions. Yeah, I know, we got to do something better. But welcome yeah. to being one of our peeps, Timothy, till we figure it out. We'll give you a new title later. We don't want Captain Charisma, you know, to file trademark infringement. Yeah, on no us. joke. But. We also, once a month at the beginning of the month, like to do some giveaways. And two of our patrons that are getting cool stuff this month that will be in the mail for you are Andre Bach and Quinn Schulte. So keep an eye on your mailbox over the next week or so, folks. You have some stuff coming your way. And finally, if you want to get some stuff directly to support the show, you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop, where we have some tokens with our likenesses on them and our playmats with our logos. And now's a good time to pick them up as we're slowly kind of starting to go back to our local stores and starting to game a little bit in person. You can help support the show and get something cool for yourself. But that brings us to some stuff we're really going to have to talk about this week. And I don't know, I feel almost like I need to take a deep breath, <laughs> like calm myself down a little bit. Yep. But this this is a case where, and I've seen this a few times in the last couple of weeks because of what we've been talking about with like people of color and particularly black people having their content suppressed, you know, people being mad that you were bringing up stuff during Black History Month or whatever. And people have been saying, well, why you got to bring up race in gaming and content? Like, why do you have to use that as an excuse? Why do you have to use this to get viewers or whatever? And like, first things first, let me tell you, we're not getting a supreme amount of viewers or listeners or whatever because we mentioned a black problem. Like, we're bringing awareness for people who aren't like us 
so they get to know and see what's going on. Because if you don't experience it, you never know it's a thing. Yeah, because spoiler alert, we don't get to just decide, hey, we're not going to be black magic players anymore. For sure, (laughs) for sure. But it's also like we've talked about on the show before, right? If we don't talk to women and ask them things that are going on or get their perspective on things, we're not going to know what a woman goes through day to day at an event or at a store, at a job or whatever, because we are not women. So the same thing applies here, that when things are going on with my con, like people literally ask me, and this happens on a weekly basis, I swear to you. Man, I don't know how your channel doesn't have way more viewers. This stuff's awesome. Your editing's good. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Like, okay, cool. Man, I don't know. I saw this is back when we still had the dislike thing that people could see. Like, I don't know why people are downvoting this video. And blah, blah, this is really good. This is like your normal stuff. Well, like, yeah, I get it. Like, there's a reason it's happening, but you don't want to talk about it. We want you to put us out of work in terms of having to do a podcast about racism and sexism and these things. We we long for the day when we can sit back and you know what? N- nothing bad happened. Nothing crazy happened. No women got harassed. Nobody got an inordinate amount of downvotes on their video because they talked about the blackest magic secret lair. We're, we're waiting for that day to happen. Dude, I wouldn't be happier to get three to four hours back every week. <laughs> like, right. I mean, seriously, like, give me, give me my time back from, from recording and editing or whatever. Like I, if yes, I would love that. But like I said, you, you can tell that people don't know and understand what's happening when people are on these social apps and going like, I don't understand where, where'd your Twitter account go for four hours? Like I couldn't, I, why wasn't I seeing your TikTok videos last week? You know, like there's a reason right like this is the stuff we're talking about like if people are asking questions they obviously don't know and when you're sitting there saying like you know you put up videos and every one of them's like clockwork boom 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 getting three four thousand views then magically you mention one thing and then there's a million downvotes and your stuff gets you know half the reach right like that's not accidental I mean, there's no other way to phrase it. It's just a thing. Yeah, we know. This is. I mean, I, I wish there was another way. And I even try to tell people, like, I try to be very measured in what I'm saying. So it's not just playing the race card. I try to bring actual information and data and use myself as examples and show things or whatever. But, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. Like, I've had a couple of times, even in the last two months, where I've had to reach out to my community on Discord and be like, y'all, could y'all go over and watch this video, like a thing or whatever, because I got the downvote brigades out today. You know, and you only know that because people have downvoted the video and it's been up 10 minutes, you know, on a 45 minute video or whatever. And it's like, come on. So, you so know, specifically sought you out. Oh, <laughs> not yeah, yeah. subscribed yeah. to, oh, yeah. to There's downvote some, you. 100%. There are some people that wait for my stuff to go live and want to attack it. And I've deleted tons of comments. I've reported a ton of things to YouTube. Like I have a bunch of people blocked from my channel. Like it's a regular thing. And I don't think people understand that. Like we don't get to just go make content and walk away. Like I have to actively monitor some of my stuff because I know like, hell, I did I tell you, maybe I mentioned this on the show. I don't remember, but I had a person two weeks ago, I think that sent me a message. And and I can't remember what video they're watching, but I made a side 
just funny joke about Snoop Dogg or something. And Lily said, well, you might want to watch it with the urban comments so you don't chase away viewers like me. I'm like, the hell? Snoop just performed at the Super Bowl. It doesn't get more mainstream. Snoop has a show with Martha Stewart where he right. cooks. Like, I'm. it's not like I sit here and went, let me tell you about the discography of Tupac. Right. Right. We didn't. We're not talking about the gang wars of the '90s or whatever. No. Like, like literally. And I. And it was something dumb. I just made a joke, and it was like a reference to Snoop Dogg. That's literally all it was. And the, it maybe lasted like five seconds. Wasn't really a thing. But of all the stuff, that's the one thing. And I'm pretty sure I've never seen a comment from this person on my content before. So they literally picked that one thing. Was the one thing that motivated them to post a comment. And it was because the comment was too urban. God bless America. <laughs> just too urban. Like, like just serious. Like, most of my viewers didn't even, like, that didn't even register with anybody. When I brought it up to other folks, they're like, I don't even remember you saying that. And I'm like, exactly. It was, it was a couple of seconds in a damn near hour long video. <laughs> like, and that video was posted, I think, a couple months back. It wasn't even like a recent video. They just happened to be watching it, I guess. But this is the stuff that goes on. And when you're saying, saying like, why are you bringing up race or why are you talking about this? Or why are you using that as an excuse why your stuff isn't doing anything or whatever? I was like, and I've told you, and I swear, I have reached out to other people, both larger and smaller, that are getting better reach on things and whatever. And I have asked specifically, how do you promote your things? What time of day do you put stuff up? Who are you working with? Let's compare thumbnails. How do you list your things? But like, what are you putting in your metadata? Like all that. That person told you. Oh. <laughs> that person literally told you the thing that upset them was a Snoop Dogg reference. Yes. <laughs> but my thing is, I have reached out and talked to some of these other people, some face to face via video, some on like DMs and stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm doing more than a lot of them already. Like I've taught them some things that they didn't even know were things. I know I never have. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say you never have either. Dequan told a white creator, hey, yeah, I didn't get that Justin Bieber reference. It was far too. It was far too white for me. I'm sorry. You're going to lose me as a viewer if you keep talking about your culture like that. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. But that's the oh. thing, right? This isn't to say. You know, we just need to be bringing up race all the time. Like I actually try not to most of the time. But when somebody asks a question and I get how it looks to them, then I have to explain to them what I'm seeing on my side. Yeah. There's really no way around. It's like, here, here's what I know. Here's what my numbers say. Here's what I see. You know, here's the things I've put together. These are the people I've talked to. Make of that what you will. But when I see other creators that happen to look like us dealing with all the same issues around the same points in time, you know, like at some point you kind of have to say like, if, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, you know what I mean? Yep. So it sucks. I, we'd rather not be the way I'd rather not talk about it. There's a billion other things I'd rather talk about, but there's no way to tell the narrative without explaining part of the narrative. And that's one of them. And that's why I tell people, I, I've been telling my community for the last few weeks, particularly Every time you share my videos or retweet something or post a comment on a YouTube video or whatever, 
like a video, like you are doing so much because it's not just the positive thing. You're offsetting one of those pieces of negative interactions that we have to deal with as well. That's why it means so much. So just keep that in mind. Those of you that are listening, like if you're ever thinking like, ah, I don't have time, like, dude, just leave like a one sentence comment, not one word, because I don't think that does, but at least leave like one quick sentence, like a video, share it with somebody who might be interested, retweet something if it's cool or funny or whatever, because that goes a long way when people that are already struggling are having to push even harder. I mean, I tell people, I, if you can't tell me it's for lack of effort, you can't tell me it's for lack of research or knowledge, you can't tell me for it's lack of consistency, you know, like God knows I can't say that <laughs> I'm checking all the boxes. So, you know, it is what it is. And at this point, the only other option I got is I'm just pulling a Christian cage and I'm just going to outwork everybody. And that's just where we're at. Cause that's the only thing you can do until you reach a point where you're big enough. And then, you know, the recommendation systems just start kicking in themselves, but you know, you do what you got to do, but you can't be upset at those that are struggling for various reasons when they have actual data and facts and everything else to tell you, like, here's why this is happening. Like you can choose to ignore it. That's fine. You can be mad that they bring it up, whatever, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still a fact. All right, I'm done, Brian. I'm going to hand this over to you. Maybe this is a a byproduct of the era of fake news that we're currently in, supposedly. But we had our primary elections yesterday in Texas, and we had this is a bipartisan issue, apparently. We had both a Republican candidate and a Democratic candidate that will, at minimum, make it to the runoff, and they both got potential criminal charges hanging over their heads. Used What's to be- wrong with y'all in Texas, <laughs> man? Like, you can't get either side to get right? It used to be that if you had any kind of impropriety, like in the case of the Democratic candidate, Henry Cuellar, you know, basically... People, people kicked his door down, took his computer, or like not not regular people. We're talking like government has seized his computer, trying to figure out what he's into. FBI, and he's has easily made it to the runoff. Man, I don't like that. Like, it's like I'm with you, right? At some point, if you're a politician and you've got any type of scandal, legal process going on whatever like that alone should make your party just second guess even putting you up to a nomination but the fact that both parties had somebody like that and then they both ended up getting to the next level like that that's like almost systematically and mathematically impossible and the Republican candidate that has multiple charges hanging over his head is wait for it folks the attorney general that part doesn't even surprise me in Texas. You cannot make this kind of stuff up. That that to me is right up there whenever I hear something crazy and then I'm like, huh. And then somebody says, it's in Florida. And I'm like, never mind. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you, you sort of, there's some things you just start accepting. And when you hear something, and I'm not trying to be like, you know, completely biased one or the other, but having lived in Texas, like the number of things I heard from Republican politicians after a while, you just quit go- caring. You're just like, yeah, that's par for the course. 
I mean, I'd love to say it was a particular state, but we just, you know, had a president who apparently was unimpeachable, even after impossibly, well, not impossibly, after basically inciting a riot and an insurrection. Side note, I just saw that apparently he tried to push his own social platform, and apparently it's like a membership thing. And then, like, the money's going to go towards some campaign, which is probably not going to go where it's supposed to go, let's be honest. But it's money's going somewhere and then apparently there's like a wait list because they don't know how to effectively approve people and get them in like apparently it's a giant mess well i mean he's figured out you know the con used to be real estate but in real estate there's some point where you would at minimum got to show people an empty lot you know you got to show your work exactly That's the thing. you got to show your work in real estate somewhere you got to show somebody something politics you can charge people money and you don't ever have to prove you did anything. Yep. You, 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 you don't have to not sell just that, You can slap a weird price tag on it and just have one of your friends say like, yeah, we use his business and it cost us $300,000 to do this thing. Right. And they're like, okay, that's where some of the money went. You can charge people a thousand dollars a plate, you know, to build half a wall. I mean, it's just... Well, that happened too. That's how politics works. It's a, he thought all his life real estate was the best con. No, politics is the best con. So, you know, you almost can't even be mad at him. If people are crazy enough to send him money to accomplish nothing. Hey, you, you, get, you reap what you sow, as yeah. they say. All right, Brian, you know the drill. We had a week full of weird information, but what did we learn this week that we can share with people? Okay, there's a new Conan game. Wait, if, you, if you're not into Conan or Conan the Barbarian, don't look away yet. Because, you know, yes, Conan's comics, books, his games are usually, they usually take themselves very seriously. But this new game, Conan Chop Chop, well, the name tells you already, it's not a typical Conan experience. It's a one to four player kind of a roguelike game. It's, it's cute. <laughs> They've made Conan cute. You got to look this stuff up. It's, it's just like a fun party type game set in the just kind of bizarro Conan universe. I'm not going to lie. When you said Conan Chop Chop, I was like, man, please tell me this is a Conan cooking game. <laughs> that's an idea also I, I would probably play that game i was i was like man this is gonna be awesome no but it does sound like fun though yeah i mean a, a conan type party game we've never had anything like that because it's usually conan and he takes itself super you know like the movies take itself super seriously so this is Maybe, you know, you start a whole different, uh, just, it's funny, you take a property that you've known for, how old is Conan, 50, 60 oh, years old? Yeah, yeah. 60 years. You do something a little different and you, you generate excitement. And you know, what's interesting to me, because we've talked about it before, right? When you look through a year's worth of, you know, a hundred games that come out, like, bunch of them are just going to be first person shooter or first person perspective using yeah. people that look like real humans and blah blah you know so like mentally I just check out on a lot of those games like even though they're good and they're popular and I don't blame any of the studios for making them to me it's just like there's just so many of those so when you do something like Conan Chop Chop like I'm at least interested yeah whether I go buy it or not I don't know yet but it's like at least I'm like oh well let me check that out and watch some footage and see what it's all about Definitely one of the things I try to do, you know, with the, with all of my content is like, hey, you know, here's a game that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Or here's something like, because I'm going to play God, I'm going to estimate 
40 or 50 games over the course of a year. So really, I want to look back at the end of the year. What are the nine or 10 games that I can say, I didn't play anything else like this all year, or in some case, I never played anything like this before. And so far, Conan's top top looks like it might be that kind of game. Man, I almost feel like we need to add a segment for like most unique games we've played or whatever, because I feel like there could be some like we talked about it like Splatoon, I thought was awesome. Yeah. Like just way different. You know, you know, you're painting up and down on the walls and whatever, you know, just like it was just really weird and different. But I think there's room for that in the market. But I also understand that because some of these games can be so expensive to make. You're kind of doing the thing that, you know, has the highest hit rate. So if people like playing first person perspective things, then that's what you do, whether that's, you know, Call of Duty, Red Dead Redemption, Bioshock, you know, whatever. Like they're all kind of done from that same style of game. Like I get it. That's what's popular. It's what sells. But you get more of the same. If anybody hasn't seen uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie Free Guy that's about a video game character that figures out he's a video game character, there is a whole scene where they have the debate about why not make a new game. And the owner of the company basically tells them, why would I ever do that when I can just make a sequel to the thing you've already given me money for that I know you made? His, his example is, if I own Kentucky Fried Chicken, why would I ever open Albuquerque stuffed turkey. There's no point to that. Why wouldn't I just sell you more KFC since we've proven you like KFC? I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, because here's the thing, right? If you already have done all the character mapping and everything else, you put all your money and resources into building these environments or whatever, and you can just reuse those for a different part of the story or maybe just add to them to you know because maybe there's time passes in the story so you just need to update your environments and stuff that's way cheaper than it is to start all over doing a whole new game yeah so i mean i understand but you know while we're on video games today i don't know you probably have because i know how you couldn't have heard about the game if you've been anywhere with video gamers over the last 72 hours but the elden ring has come out and it's gotten great reviews And people seem to be very active and busy with it. But what I didn't know is I thought the damn game was a Lord of the Rings game. Because when I see the logo, they use the same shiny gold letters. It's using the same font. So like my brain immediately went to like, oh, this must just be like some extended story to the Lord of the Rings or whatever. And I didn't even think twice about it. And then I finally hear people talking about it. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like Lord of the Rings. And then I see a couple of screenshots and I'm like, oh, this is just some other RPG adventure thing that is not Lord of the Rings at all. That's by design, because, you know, I guess the the lore, the backstory is written by George R.R. Martin. So they absolutely are going for that Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, fantasy epic that you'll feel very comfortable in. Makes sense. Makes sense. Like I said, I mean, it's been the talk of the town for the last couple of days. I mean, pretty much if I've seen stuff about video games, I would say there's probably an 80% chance it's been Elden Ring that people have been talking about. So pretty cool. Lucky for them, it's worked out. You paid a big writer, director to to put stuff together, and it hit. Now, there's been a few people that have said, depending on your platform, it's been a little slow or glitchy or whatever. But I think that was like day one and two with all the servers getting downloads and everything else being a thing. Yeah. But yeah, overall it seems like people really like it. So I don't know. I haven't played it, 
<laughs> That's a good thing because I mean, after you know, Cyberpunk, we we've had a couple of games that were supposed to be Battlefield, Halo. We've had a couple of games that were supposed to just you know crush it. That kind of like, eh. So it's nice to see the one possibly is living up to the insane amount of hype that went before it. I also heard a story, and I know how true it is, but I guess they had been taking pre-orders on this for up to three years ago. So apparently this has been a thing that's been in the works for a while and finally launched. So I don't know if that was due to the pandemic or whatever caused that, but it's cool that it hit after such a long wait. Well, that's the thing about, you know, we would, now we hear about games almost the second somebody puts pen to paper and comes up with the concept to the point now they give out, you know, biggest vaporware award after E3. You're like, hey, yeah, remember this game that debuted 12 years ago? Is it ever coming out? You know, so that's where we are. Yeah, I know. I tell if you're into that style of game, you know, whether you like the the Dark Souls type stuff or, you know, you like the the history that uh, George Martin's put together, go check it out. I mean, it seems to be really good. It probably might be right up your alley. Again, it's a first-person perspective game from everything I've seen, so I don't know if it's necessarily my jam. But, you know, I think it's at least cool to see a big-budget game like that with all the hype actually pay off for everybody who's looking forward to it. But that brings us to our actual weekly topic. So let's go hit on some things. because We've got a few things to talk about, I think. All right, so the first thing being good old Twitch. I feel like we like Twitch feels like they they do something once a month. And only once out of like every four or five things do we actually get to say something positive. And this one kind of falls in the middle of the road. I think it's mostly positive, but they've been apparently as of a couple of weeks ago started testing a new ad incentive program or what they're calling the AIP because added incentive program. But what they're trying to do or what they're trying to solve for here, what it seems like is standardizing the revenue for a larger number of creators. And we talked about this on the show that one of the issues Twitch was starting to have is people were putting out petitions and things saying, Hey, how come when I'm on Facebook gaming, when I'm on YouTube, like I'm able to make more money, you know, like I'm getting more of the ad revenue. I'm getting more of my membership revenue. I'm getting it right. So I'm just making more money across the board on these other platforms. Like, why can't you at least come closer to matching them? Well, what Twitch has decided to do, instead of changing those other things and saying, well, you're right, instead of taking 50%, we could reduce that to 40%. They were like, well, how about we just give everybody some money for running more ads for us? Which isn't terrible. It's not a great solution, but it's not terrible. So what they decided to do is now admittedly i want to preface this with saying even after further research before the show the best we could find is that they are going to be rolling this out to a larger swath of people supposedly sometime in march but we do not know who entirely will get this just yet nor do we know what the minimum ccv is or concurrent viewership you'll need to be part of this program our assumption is it's going to go to affiliates, obviously, because that's how you get paid. But there may be a floor of like 10 or 20 concurrent viewers, because I can't imagine them just giving money for people not helping them generate money. Now, that being said, the requirements are going to be that you have to stream at least 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 hours per month. 
And then if you run two, three, or four ads per hour, you will get $100, $200, or $500, respectively. Now, the first thing people brought up and said, oh, great. So that must mean they're going to be dropping pre-roll ads. Uh, no. <laughs> you're, you're still going to have pre-roll ads. The only way currently that they have updated that you can disable pre-roll ads is also to run an ad <laughs> on your live show. Whenever you run a 30-second, 60-second, or 90-second ad, you basically turn off pre-roll ads for either 10, 20, or 30 minutes. Now, for those you don't know, pre-roll ads are the first ad you see when you try to go join a Twitch channel. Usually, it's like 15 seconds. Sometimes, though, you get caught in those 45-second ones or whatever, and it sucks. The big problem, though, for streamers, and it's universal, it's been researched, Twitch has proven it, whatever, like, there's an insanely high bounce rate on Twitch when people try to go see a new channel. Now, it doesn't, it still affects channels that are large, that have like two, three, four hundred viewers, but not as much because people look and say, okay, obviously I should be watching you because other people are watching you, right? But when you're smaller, let's say sub 20 or maybe even sub 10, and they come in and get hit with a 20 second ad, sometimes there's like, I didn't really want to check out a new person anyway. And they just go on to the next channel or they get off Twitch. So it's weird that they want to keep it knowing the bounce rate so high. To me, that that's a mind-blowing, because again, I guess maybe it's because uh, we're older gamers and co consumers of content, but for decades, if you watch a 20 or a 30-minute sitcom, you get three minutes of ads, minimum. You're watching 27 minutes of television. That's how I was raised, so I'm used to, you know, occasionally sitting through two, two, three minutes Hour-long show? Oh, God, forget about it. I don't even know how many ads you see in an hour-long show. Peacock even shows me ads for Peacock while I'm watching Peacock. It's like, y'all, I paid for it already. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, people don't even sit through intros on their shows anymore. Like, they give you a little thing on Netflix and Hulu or whatever, like, skip intro. Yep. Like, Unless it's the Peacemaker intro. <laughs> you watch that Peacemaker intro every freaking time. Well, fair, it's awesome. Fair. But yeah, but really, that's a thing, though. Like, and, and, you know, same thing on YouTube. If you get ads, half the time there, you can click through them on, in five seconds, right? You don't even have to watch the whole ad. And, and but, it's only a 15-second ad sometimes. But <laughs> yeah. if, if it's something you want to buy, though, don't you? I know I, if, if I see, like, for a video game, for example, that I'm interested in, like, if I see a Conan Chop Chop ad, hey, tell me more about this. Well, agreed. And people will. And I've sat through some ads. So, I mean, I'm not saying ads are bad. I, I understand how the whole revenue model works and how these sites make their money. I just think the problem for people with Twitch is still that as a creator, you don't get hardly anything for those ads. Right. Literally, there are people that literally I see I've seen their revenue sharing where they've gotten thousands of dollars a month and their ad share will be like 50 bucks. You know, like you, they're just getting nothing for the ads. So, hey, this will be for people, you know, that are in this incentive program. That's going to be different. You could get possibly up to 500 bucks a month for ads. Sure. But then now it's if you and somebody else are on equal footing ish. Right. Do they want to watch your stream? That's going to have four ads plus or minus the pre-roll ads, depending. Or are they going to watch the other persons who's not putting up? ads or maybe just two minutes worth of ads 
Like, I, I don't know, but the, I think this this is changing the landscape of Twitch pretty significantly. To me, I mean, I'm hoping if you enjoy somebody's content, you, you're going to watch it regardless of how many ads it has. Maybe, but, you know, a lot of people, they're, the average view sometimes on a stream is under five minutes anyway. I mean, I, I have had streams even recently on YouTube where I've had 30, 40 people in there. But I'll look at the average view time and the average view time will be like six minutes, you know, of a two hour stream. And I guess, you know, you and I are possibly different because we are content creators. I mean, most of the people I watch consistently are people that I know. They're people that we maybe have had on the show or people that I've been part of a, you know, content creation group with where I would never go, oh, God, you know. That's the show. Too many ads. I'm out. You know, I would never do that because I, I, I know them. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just generally of the ballpark. If I enjoy watching them, I enjoy watching. Them. Yeah, that's how I feel. I think the other weird thing for Twitch, like I now I will say I do like the the banner ads that Twitch has introduced that'll show up at the bottom or over to the side of your video where it like just shrinks your video down to like 80 percent and it makes room for the banner and the banner stays up for like five or eight seconds and then your video just goes back to full screen right i like that it's non-intrusive people can still hear the thing that's going on it's basically like on youtube where you'll have like the banner ad pop up at the bottom but the video still plays it's equivalent to that that i don't mind at all the problem i've been running into and this is before we've got this incentive program and all this other stuff is that i get people who apparently don't even get ads at the same time they're all different throughout the stream for each person it seems like I don't really know how that's working. And you'll have people posting like, oh, well, you know, they asked you a question. They're like, oh, well, I can't hear your response because I'm in an ad. So then the stream's already kind of weird because now I ha I'm like trying to respond to a thing somebody asked. But like I have to change the subject and answer another question or do something else for like 20, 30 seconds. Then the person's back and then I have to continue on with with their answer or whatever. So it's like. How common is that going to be? You know, if I'm trying to run four ads per hour, does it make it even weirder? Do I always have somebody throughout the stream watching an ad now if they're not run at similar times? Like, I, I don't know any of this. Yeah, I wish there was someone that could make it where the ads run at uniform time so everybody's seeing the ad at the same time. Or if you can control it, like, hey, if maybe I push the ad break three times during the stream versus twitch deciding when the ad breaks are three times that would feel a little bit better because i could at least control the experience right maybe i play the game for a bit i get to a new level or something or we're gonna switch topics so i'm like hey all right i'm gonna use this as a chance to go take a bio break refill my water i'll be back in two minutes y'all right cool then you run your ad during that time right that would make the most sense but i it seems like you're going to fill out the thing on the site, you'll check the boxes or whatever, and then the ads, it's going to make sure the ads run effectively. So I don't know. Like, I, it, and this, I guess the problem for me here is I get why Twitch is doing it. It's more money across the board. You get more of your biggest accounts to run more ads. Honestly, the biggest accounts probably aren't going to do it. Exactly. Now that I'm thinking about it, like, their biggest accounts already make so much money, they're not going to care about making another two, three, four hundred dollars. That's not even a thing. If it's... Yeah, 
if it's one more thing they're going to have to deal with, they're not going to want to do it. This is for the smaller accounts because they have the incentive where, hey, they're not they're not right now guaranteed a certain amount of money. So, yeah, there's well, what do they really lose for? But as you said, possibly some viewers will bounce. But if you take somebody that's got maybe 10 or 12 views and ask them, would you rather have five more viewers an hour? You're still not close to being a partner with that or 200 more bucks a month. I think most are going to take the extra 200 bucks a month. Yeah. And that's what makes me wonder, right? Who's going to get it? Like, are we going to give it to people who have 20 viewers plus? Because I feel like there's a upper ceiling somewhere, maybe around five, six hundred viewers per hour. Like, you may not care about this program as much, but somewhere in the ballpark of like 20 to 30, where you're starting to try to make that push and make it a regular yeah. thing. I think that's going to be the sweet spot for the people who want this all the way up to maybe, you know, two, three hundred viewers per hour. But I don't know. I don't really know it because again, Twitch isn't solving the problem for their discoverability, which has been a big problem, which by the way, two things happened in the last couple months that I think we need to talk about. And we'll bring this up another time, but one is a program app website, whatever you want to call it called hover, which is basically doing all the things Twitch should have been doing. It's basically an app that runs like the Twitch equivalent of TikTok, where you can share all your clips and people can follow your Twitch or your your hover, I guess. I don't know what they call it. And, you know, see all your clips as they put it up. And then they could follow you on Twitch if they want to or whatever. So basically, it's what Twitch should be doing. But somebody outsource it. I'm assuming they're going to get bought by Twitch sometime in the next, like, six to nine months. Because they've now done the work Twitch should have been doing. And it's always easier to just buy somebody than build the inf- okay. infrastructure yourself. I was going to say, sometimes that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, especially some- when you have Amazon money, right? Let somebody else solve a problem, then buy them. But the other thing that happened, and this this occurred during one of my streams, is the only reason I know it it actually went into effect. But while I was streaming, I had somebody say, hey, I was watching one of your videos and I saw a thing that said you were live. So I clicked it and I was able to watch you. This is cool. And I was like, oh, crap. YouTube actually did the thing we were talking about. Because we've said from the remember, I said specifically on this show Whoever figures that out has a huge competitive advantage in the form of discoverability. Because now you can put your videos up, your game clips or whatever. And if you're at the right time or somebody happens to be watching one of those, what happens is your icon actually gets a little red ring and a little thing that says live. So now people can go, oh, you're live. I'll watch your live stream. I did see that. And I it didn't even click in my mind that, hey, that's a new thing. Yeah. But it's awesome. Like, this is literally what we've been wanting. And I even said, like, whoever figures out out first between Facebook and YouTube has a huge competitive advantage in 2022. Apparently, YouTube got to it first. And it would be the the people that are already better at discoverability that would have figured it out. Yeah. But this, this is what I'm saying. Like, Twitch still hasn't solved for that. Right. There's your when you're offline, there's no promotion for you on Twitch, whereas on YouTube and Facebook still. People can still watch videos. Stuff is being recommended to them, whatever, right? There's still a chance somebody's going to find you. That doesn't exist on Twitch. And then when you're live, you're kind of hoping by luck you end up in the carousel rotation or something on the once a year thing or twice a year, maybe. Or somebody just happens to bestow some part of their community on you with a raid or something and you get another handful of, of followers. Because even from raids, I've I've even had people raid me with like 500 people and I might get like 
10 new followers. And the rest, few of them will hang out for a while. About half or more are going to bounce immediately. Because the person they're watching is done. They're not here to watch me. But the other person at least been kind and tried to share their community with me. Yeah. But if, if that doesn't even happen, you don't even get that. Right? I know people right now that I talk to online and some of them are like, man, I don't even get like one new follower per stream. You know, and it's just like, these are people that are active. So it's like, they're not solving the real problem. Because really... We've talked about it before. Twitch has given us a ton of things to help Twitch make more money over the last year. But the times they haven't, it's been celebrating like, hey, we've made this thing so you could mass delete your stuff that has DMCA issues that you shouldn't have in the first place. And other people already made this tool faster, but we're going to celebrate ours. This is where we are with Twitch. Now, Again, the ad revenue, I think, is reasonable. I think that's actually really good. But I don't know what that does for the viewing experience on Twitch. Because as far as I can tell so far, there's no way to even skip through any of them. So it's not like YouTube where, like, uh, they're going to hit me with 30 seconds of ads. But I only have to watch, like, 5 or 10 seconds. Right? Like, that's not a thing. You got to watch the whole thing. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I want it to be good. I want people to make more money. I get why Twitch has to do it, but I think you got to institute some more controls and we need more details to know who's actually going to benefit from this. Because if the reality is it's already the people who are already able to make decent money, because like if they say like, all right, maybe you don't need to be partner, but you still need to have 30 concurrent viewers per hour or whatever to be part of the program. Like, well, that's still going to exclude a big chunk of the community anyway. Yeah, but I mean, if I were if I were at 30 and you offered me an extra couple of hits, how long did you say it took you to get from 30 to, uh, let's say, 75? Because 75 hours. Uh, I'm not quite at 75. I, I get between 50 and 60. So to go from 30 to that level was still several months. Yeah. So you, you offer me at that stage, an extra couple of hundred bucks a month. I feel like I'm taking it. Agreed. But like we pointed out before, the majority of people that stream on Twitch don't ever get more than 10 to 15 viewers. So if you're giving it to all the people that get 30 plus, how many people are you really helping by percentage in their community. I mean, it's still a non-zero number and I saw a bunch more yeah. people getting to take home a couple hundred dollars. So I'm not faulting that, but like when people are talking about, look, I'm just trying to make it and you're still taking 50% of every sub, like you're still not helping the problem greatly. And they're only doing this, obviously, because they get the ad revenue and whatever. Yeah. But that's fine. It's that's certainly not a per. Yeah, we'd rather they just, you know, match other people's rates. That obviously, at least for the time being, is not something they care to do. So this is a lot better than nothing. Possibly yeah, $500 a month better than nothing for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's exactly it. You kind of have to just look and say, like, we're, we're not going to get what we want, but they're at least giving us something. And we'll just have to see what happens but as more details come out i'd like to share them but you know we'll move along on the topic we've kind of belabored this one a little bit too much i think uh this one is a little touchy some people are going to be mad here but like star city 
they were the butt of several jokes on social media yesterday, on Twitter particularly, because they announced they still have Star City Premium, even though they're not paying the competitive play writers anymore. And that upset a lot of people. But, you know, like all things, I get where that comes from. I get where get where people are upset or whatever and what premium used to be. So I get it. And part of that money went to pay for the writers and such. And that makes sense. But they decided to add a bunch of different incentives and say, OK, cool, we're still going to have this, but we're doing other things to make it worth it for you. So for $7.99 a month, you'll get 5% discount on all sealed product. And they say including pre-orders. You get 10% discount on all singles, including pre-orders. 20% discount on all gaming supplies. And then they're going to have uh, exclusive stuff that only premium members can get to purchase. There's going to be advanced notices of sales and stuff, so you'll know before everybody else. There's going to be discounts. And I guess from what I saw, they're partnering with other game companies. So there's going to be other stuff you get discounts on or get for free or whatever just because of deals they're doing. And then there's going to be some finance stuff that you get tips and stuff on uh, for being a premium member. And I don't think this is necessarily bad. No, for what, eight bucks. Yeah. And and the only reason I say that is for, like, I know from working at Card Kingdom, right? We had regular buyers. Like, there would be people who had, some had multiple packages, but there were a lot of people that had, like, almost a once a month package going out or once a week package going out for them, right? Where... You know, they're buying singles, they're buying sleeves, you know, maybe a new set's out, they're getting a booster box, whatever. For some people, places like Star City, Card Kingdom, whatever, are the home site for them to do all their buying. So for them, you spend $8 a month and like, you're going to save that money just on a booster box immediately. If you're buying 70 to $100 worth of singles at least three times a month, we're well, going to get your money back, you know? So... I don't think it's a bad deal. I have paid more for premium memberships. I have used far less. Shoot, you ain't lying. Hell, there's probably people right now paying for damn streaming services they ain't watched in a month that cost right? more than that. You, you mean to, you just don't get the time. You know, got to go to work and stuff. Yeah, so this doesn't bother me. This doesn't bother me really. Now, I think you probably get a smaller percentage of people paying for it because there was some number of people who paid because they want to see the latest strategy article from you know pro player x or whatever so that that makes total sense to me but yeah this wasn't like the incentives weren't bad enough for me to knock them over now i think it would still be better if it was like a dollar or two less a month but even where it is i don't have a big problem with it like do i need to maintain my star city premium membership Eh, maybe not you know at this point since i was using it periodically for information but now that information is not going to be there, you know, I have to reevaluate. And if it's not for me, it's not for me. But I didn't feel like it was worth going after and bashing them because honestly, the incentives are actually reasonable. And now there's some things there we don't know what they're going to be yet. Like how many deals are there they're doing with other trading card game related websites or whatever, right? We have to wait and see kind of what comes through the pipe there. Like what's going to be covered in the market and finance article stuff like all right we have to wait and see so there's some things there but those to me are all like extra value right with what they've given as a minimum if you're an active user of their site i would say even once a month you're probably going to be able to do well on that eight dollars and not care 
And there's just a lot of animosity right now for stuff that basically is not Star City's fault. It's the, 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 the malaise out there is not anything they created. It's just we've all been locked down and unable to play as much magic as they would like to. Yeah, and there's still people upset over like, well, you know, I hate these new tournaments. They're not the pro tour and that's a whole thing. And like, I get it. People like the way stuff was. Nostalgia was a thing. But here's here's the thing. And I and I bring this up before and had some people get mad at me. But we and I say we like the royal we as the community bitched and whined and moaned about every single thing that happened with the Pro Tour from the beginning. No matter what was good or bad, when they were like, hey, we're going to give appearance fees. And I was like, yeah, but now the appearance fees aren't enough. And it's like, dude, you didn't even have appearance fees before. It's like, okay, well, now we want these for this. Okay, well, now we want to get paid for showing up to Grand Prix. And now we want this for flight money. And now we want, like, okay, cool. And now that you don't have any of it, now, like, well, we just want stuff back to the way it was. Like, what's, you know, hell, we went all the way to, you should be paying the pros. Okay, they did. But there's like, well, no, why are you, okay, now you're paying the pros, but now it's harder for me to be a pro or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah. Like, well, to be fair, by by Mad- by Wizards' own admission, the the pro league was a disaster. <laughs> just, sure, was sure. Hard. But I'm just saying, like from a structural standpoint, people have never been happy with anything. But now that it's gone, they're like, "Oh, well, we at least want what we had." Like you know, what I mean, like like it. But the last time, thing, was, the last thing was terrible. So no, sure. no can't fault but, anybody for not being happy with things, that. But times have changed. They just have like we've talked about it on the show, even the way other esports companies are dealing with stuff. Times have changed. Like, I get it. The old days, there's some nostalgia attached to that. That's pretty sweet. And one of my streams recently, we watched some old tournament footage and talked about it. And that was pretty cool. So, like, I get it. I w- now we can still for me, we can still have live coverage and stuff once, you know, again, we're doing Grand Prix in person and all that. And that's going to check the box for a lot of people. It just is. Now, I again, I'm hopefully optimistic about where stuff's headed. Once we get back to being able to go to scores, stores regularly and we can get back to having a qualifier system and all that. But I'm not going to sit here and take shots at Star City for trying to make a buck and, you know, changing their structure or whatever. Like, they've been upfront about everything. They gave advance notice that what was coming. Like, I can't I don't have anything to be mad at Star City about. Yeah, lack of lack of, you know, magic tournaments is not their fault. Yeah, like just, you know, lack of I don't know pro level aspirations among the player community is really what part of it is and that's not their fault. And like I said, when I went and looked for the 8 bucks, that's actually a fair price for the people who need it. So, I'm not even mad about that. Now, if I would have looked at the stuff and they're like, well, for this premium thing, you get these three benefits. And I'd have been like, eh, is that really worth it? You know, but I don't know, it seems fine. So I'm I'm not going to bash on them. I, I think they've done fine. They've done right by the majority of the community. They're just doing what they can do. And that's OK. Not everything's going to work for everybody all the time. Something interesting uh, started happening a couple weeks ago that the professor started running out some preview videos for a deck box that he has created, or I'm assuming he created some partnership of creation uh, with him and GameGenic Supplies. And it's kind of cool, you know, to see something like this happen. 
even even if I don't end up being one of the buyers for it or whatever. And by the way, full disclosure, I am sponsored by Ultra Pro, so you know whatever. However, that's going to color your opinion of my statements or not. But uh, that being said, I have He's no. He's on the take. He's a shill. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that so it's it's at least known yeah. to the people, right? Like I have. No ill will, nothing bad to say about Game Genic. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of their supplies, but their supplies are good. You know, like I don't have anything to say about them. And I obviously, me and the professor get along. I've been on his show or whatever, so like no hate at all. And it, I and honestly, I think it's a neat idea that a company took the initiative to get with the creator, especially, you know, professor's one of the biggest creators in the magic space. Right. So to get with one of the top creators in the product category that you, you create, that makes the most sense. And it's cool to see a collaborate. I mean, I think it would be cool to see one with game nights and to see them with a uh, covert go blue and you know, whatever. I, I think it would be neat to see these sponsored products or, you know, inspired by or whatever. I think, you know, I mean, I'm not big enough, but like if Ultra Pro was like, hey, let's work on a thing and we'll make a Power Dragon colored whatever. Right. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. You know, I, I think it's neat. It's a it's an awesome way to engage the community and activate people to make some money for the company. Because let's be honest, whether the game genic box is revolutionary or not, they're going to sell a lot of boxes. I mean, let's be real. Like, I would be surprised if they don't move, if I were just guessing, probably in the ballpark of 20,000 units. Yeah, I would easily see that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be probably a couple, after shipping and costs and everything, they might make a couple hundred thousand dollars off this. And that's pretty cool. You know, like, that for, for all practical intents and purposes, they are not a big player in the supply part of, of the game industry right now. They're not a nobody, but I mean, they're still behind BCW ultra pro dragon shield. You know, there's, there's still a bunch of other big players there, but that that's a very smart move on their part. I mean, cause somebody asked me like, well, how do you feel about this? Do you feel comfortable promoting it? And blah, blah. Like I, just because I'm sponsored by them doesn't mean I can't talk positively about somebody else's effort. Like, this is cool. I would like to see more companies do it. I mean, I really would. I, and I think it's smart because, you know, there's already been a complaint from a lot of people that Kickstarter for a lot of folks gets used more as a pre-order system more than a project starting system for a lot of companies. There's some companies that basically have their whole business model based around Kickstarter. Like they're going to make a game anyway, but they don't want to finance the thing or take a risk. So they're like, hey, all right, we'll just put it up on Kickstarter we get our $50,000, $100,000, we use that for our print run, and then we'll print enough to send out to like retail stores and stuff or whatever. And that's been a complaint because you get a lot of people who are like, you know, I really have a new startup idea, but people are going to these big companies that already have money. And like a good example, the I, and some other folks I like, but you know, Reaper and I, in your neck of the woods, right? That make all the miniatures and everything. The first two bones thing and bones miniatures are basically like plastic uh white plastic miniatures for role-playing games and stuff like that they used to do a bunch of metal and they were basically using kickstarter to create this whole line of plastics and they were buying all the machinery to produce them and whatever in-house which cool that's a good use of kickstarter but then we got to like bones three and bones four and it's like okay well now y'all are just using 
Kickstarter to just take pre-orders and whatever. And it's like, all right. And they were doing millions of dollars. So that stuff bothers me. But somebody like Gamegenic, I'm like, this is a whole new thing. This is the first time they've worked with the creators, which I'm assuming Tillerian Community College had like actual input on the creation of it from what it sounds like. And you're putting it out there to say, like, we don't know how well this is going to sell, but hey, at least you have the professor's backing. He's got a huge audience. I've already seen him doing cross promotions with uh, game nights and stuff. So they're getting it out to their communities. So, like I said, I'm going to be really surprised if they don't sell a few 10,000 of these, which I think is pretty cool. Now, I don't know if you've seen the box itself. It's a it's like a lot of other game genic products where the top kind of comes completely off the box, which some people like that design. Some people don't. I'm not the biggest fan just because I don't like to have to have my parts moving around and whatever. I like just like hey, <laughs> I my hate stuff. when my parts are moving around. No, but I mean, you. like when I have stuff and it stays together, I don't have to like move things or whatever. Like I'm OK with that. But I get why it, there's actually a space saving reason why they do that. And it makes sense. But yeah, it looks like other game genic boxes where the top pops off. It has a big pot, uh, compartment, I guess, to put what looks like maybe you could maybe squeeze two commander decks in there, but it's also sized up to where you could put another game genic, smaller, regular sized deck box and some other stuff in there in that pocket or compartment. And then they have a open, for lack of a better term, it's almost like an what you would call a drawer, but it just sits on top. So it's like a, a com- smaller compartment. And then there's two small pullout drawers that look like you can put dice, spin down counters, sleeve, not sleeves, but I mean, I guess you could put sleeves there, but cards or tokens or other things in there if you want to. So it's a, a big compartment with a small one that holds some small items and then two smaller drawers inside. And they sit uh, from the looks of it. The structure is about the size of a lot of the uh, two or three wide uh, deck boxes or whatever. The ones you can hold two or three decks in from other creator uh, companies. So the the footprint won't be any larger than a lot of the stuff that exists. And some people seem to really like the, the compartments and the pockets in it. Um, I don't know if it's so much for me because I'm usually only carrying one deck anyway, and I don't care a lot of extra stuff with it because it's just not who I am. So, I mean, for me, it's just a functional, I think the bo- the deck box itself is nice, but just for me, functionally, if I were to carry two decks, I have some other things that I could put two full decks in and, and just be happy with. But I, I just like the idea of the project. I think it's very cool. It's supposed to go live on Kickstarter on March 15th. And yeah, I I mean, and again, technically a competitor, but like, I hope it goes well for them. I really do. Because I would love to see more projects like this. I would love to see other companies come out and say like, hey, here's a creator we sponsor or a group we sponsor or whatever. Let's do a cool activation make a thing that's unique or different or new, or some of these companies just taking input, right? Because you know as well I do. There are companies for all types of brands and items out there that just make things. And then they get into the public and everybody goes like, why did you even bother? <laughs> like, nobody wants this in this color. This doesn't solve a problem that we have or, you know, whatever. So it's cool to go to people and say like, hey, you review things. What are some of the things you like and some of the things you don't like? And let's make a thing that solves those problems. And that's cool. So yeah, if you didn't know, there you go. Keep an eye on Kickstarter. You can go sign up, I think, so you get notified whenever it's live. And I hope it goes well for them. And that brings us to another thing we enjoy talking about. The Hunter Burton Memorial Open. It's next week. 
I believe it's March 11 to the 13th, that weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, if you're in the Dallas, Fort Worth area, or you're willing to travel into the area, I did it last year. It was really nice. Uh, you know, everybody minded COVID protocol and that was great. Event went well. It's basically a large magic. It's it's like a, it's like a Grand Prix, really. I mean, now, admittedly, last time we had to reduce attendance because, you know, COVID. But generally, you'll have like a thousand people show up. You play tournaments of all different types. So the main event is modern, and there's an, also another one on Sunday. And then there's a bunch of side events if you want to do chaos drafts, if you want to do regular booster drafts. Uh, there's some fundraising events for one of the uh, scholarships. All the money from the main events goes or uh, to a charity that they pick every year for suicide prevention and awareness. Always fantastic. Uh, it's live stream, so there's usually like four of us commentators that we rotate in and out on it. You have a bunch of vendors. Uh, this time, I believe they're also doing flesh and blood events and one of the other card games. Maybe Pokemon, I think, is being added as well. I have to go look at their schedule again. But tons of stuff going on. It's always for a good cause. And honestly, this is and I and I mean this seriously. This is one of the events when I talk to people, some of them are like, man, I don't even play magic anymore. I don't play games anymore. But like, I want to show up and support the cause. You know, we had people that drove from like Chicago just to be at the event. Like, it's crazy. And the best part about the event is it's the one tournament or tournaments, I should say, plural. So I'll say event that I go to that I almost see no one complaining. Nobody's mad. Nobody's butt hurt when they lose. Like, everybody understands the cause, but they're still there being competitive. And that's awesome. And that's a rare thing. <laughs> it's absolutely rare. And I and the, and the interesting thing is, I don't remember a point where the people in charge made that like a a movement or a statement. I, I think it just almost naturally happened. Like we've talked about it. You know, I've done opening speeches for them before, whatever. We've talked about, man, it's really nice that people carry that attitude and whatever. And, you know, but it kind of just sort of developed on its own. Like people just understand like, hey, this is what we're here for. Like it's about more than just me. You know, and even people that have lost have been like, yeah, man, it sucks. I got beat by this thing or whatever. And I was so close. And, you know, but n seriously, I haven't seen anybody mad when they're done. And multiple people say this is their favorite tournament of the year and blah, blah, blah. Like even when we did the other one, they were so many people were happy. It just happened because we had to skip it, yeah. you know, the year and a half before because of COVID. And man, it's just awesome. And they still raised a bunch of money, you know, even with reduced attendance, because people are like, yeah, we still want to support this. We still want to make sure it happens. You know, so yeah, if you want to check it out, it's the Hunter Burton Memorial Open.com. If you want to check out their website, uh, it's open to the public. Uh, last one wasn't, again, because you had to have reduced attendance. Yeah. But uh, it is open to the public. So if you just want to come, there's, there's going to be silent auctions and just tons of stuff to where they can raise money. So if you want to come by and just donate, if you just want to buy something, if you want to get something from the vendors, whatever, come check it out. Like it is really, really, really cool. And, probably my favorite event of the year i don't even know why i gave the sound effect because you know what up <laughs> we're into the dinner table man yeah i was waiting to hear dishes <laughs> clashing and like wait yeah we, got I'll do just, segment just, we didn't talk just about for our regulars we'll still get the dishes out because you know it's that time i made all this potato salad 
Exactly. Just as long as there ain't no raisins in it. But it's it's that time of year, right, where it's March, March Madness. You're going to start hearing about a lot of that with the college tournaments going on. And that got me thinking. So I, I announced today on social media, on uh, my Twitter account and on my TikTok account, I'm going to be hosting a Planeswalker tournament. We're going to do our March Madness of Planeswalkers. So what I'm going to do is I right now, if you follow me on any of the social platforms, I have stuff up where you can literally just nominate your favorite Planeswalker. And I'm going to take the, I, I guess I'm going to do 32 Planeswalkers but and, and set up a bracket. Now, what I'm doing is if you respond, literally has to be just the name of the Planeswalker. I told people if you put, as an example, you like Soren, right? So you just post Soren. Great. If you put Soren because he's awesome, I'm not counting the vote. I'm trying to make sure I'm strict and keeping it as simple as possible to count. But I'm using this for seeding because we have to have number one seeds and number eight seeds where we can't make it work, right? But, so we're not just making it a complete popularity contest. <laughs> I had the bright idea that I'm going to randomize the environment that the Planeswalkers would be battling in. So it might be a frat house. <laughs> it might be the beach. It might be a space station. It might be Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. I don't know. But it at least makes for interesting discussion in the chats. And then I'll have uh, polls up and whatnot. And whichever's get the most votes based on that uh, will be the winner. And we will advance them on each round till we pick our planes. Well, I need to come up with a cool name for it. I don't have anything yet. But we'll have our Planeswalker March Madness winner for 2022. Now, I bring that up because I got me thinking. And I was kind of curious, Brian. Like, what are some weird or different or fun March Madness tournaments you've seen people run throughout the years? Uh, I think we were like March Dadness. I want to say with sitcom dads or something. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I would be into that. Then, I mean, uh, I it sucks I'm, though because there's some now you look back and you'd be like, yeah, we probably wouldn't want to talk about some of those guys. Well, yeah, <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> oh, man. You know, but yeah, now, man, because it got me thinking about like Bob Saget would probably be high on that. Well, yeah, he would automatically win now, basically. Yeah. Because of the <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Because everybody's thinking about him right now. And, uh, of course, I've seen a lot of people have, like, best sports game, you know, because there are just so many. Especially if oh. you go back to the – all the way back to Nintendo, there's so many great ones. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Now, there's an uh, an app I use, and I think it's called Fetch Rewards. And they did a thing where they chose two different uh, foods – or, or actually, I think it was just two items you could find in a grocery store. And what they did is you got to vote on which one you thought more people that use the app would purchase at the grocery store that month. So wait, <laughs> the headline here is somebody made Fetch happen? They did make Fetch happen. Okay. And it even has a cute little uh, icon. It's like a dog that goes and grabs a thing or whatever. But yeah, I was thinking like, that's kind of cool too. So every couple of days they would show the results of just like over the last 72 hours, like more people bought, I don't know, Coca-Cola than they did, I don't know, Charmin toilet tissue or whatever. Right. And that advanced to the next round or whatever. So there, there was like, there's a lot of interesting things you see. I mean, I've seen Star Wars characters. Yeah. Um, every fictional universe I think has had one. Yeah. Uh, we've done Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. I've seen that people had because, you know, people like to have that argument. So I've seen that. And that was a small one. I think they only did like 16 or something for that one. Um, 
man, there's just been a lot of different ones. And I think it's a fun time of year, right? It's an it's a new way or a different way to engage with some of your favorites, pastimes, your favorite hobbies. Uh, for people that don't know, um, why am I forgetting his name right now? Gavin he, Verhe, he does March Gladness, I think is what he calls it, every month. And he does a different topic, like a weird question or puts out a scenario or whatever that you get to respond to that's something unique and different or whatever. And he just does that for the month of March. So I, it's cool that something like March Madness being this big tournament and almost, you know, culturally iconic at this point, you know, has kind of developed into all these different things that different subgroups and genres or whatever have kind of co-opted to activate their communities, which I think is pretty cool. And it leads, usually leads to a lot of fun discussions. But the other question is, are you planning to watch a lot of the tournament? Uh, I guess probably, I don't know who's exactly going to be in it yet, but, you know, I definitely, if, uh, well, LSU, I think is good this year, so they should be in there for at least a little while. Sharif <laughs> O'Neal is crushing it. Fair, fair. And Texas has 15 schools, so we're probably more than 15. Texas will we'll probably have nine or 10 in the tournament. That's fair. Too well, many I mean, schools. Baylor's still in there because they're a yeah. top school anyway in basketball. Yeah, I'll probably watch a little bit of it. Uh, I just realized the best thing for me about doing this tournament is I have this little whiteboard I got. It didn't have anything to do with it. Now I'll have something to do with it. There you I go. I can track my Planeswalker tournament. And I can just use that for a picture every day. But yeah, I just thought it was fun to think about it. Just like, you know, if you're looking for something to do in your office or, you know, you, you I mean, you could even do dumb stuff like, you know, office, goaded off office equipment and you just right. put it in the categories, right? Is it? stapler versus xerox machine or whatever like you know what I mean? like and just give people something to talk about in the break room every day like you can it's such a simple concept that you can turn it into almost anything and make it work yeah so yeah something to think about to enrich your life and makes things more interactive for you and your communities but Brian, why don't you show everybody where they can find you on social media? Great. I am Brian Sonic on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. And yeah, come follow me if you want to participate in some of the dumb idiocy I have going on on social media. But as always... Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please stay away from other people for a little bit longer because it seems like we're finally seeing light at the end of the tunnel to get past all this COVID stuff. Take care of you and yours, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. <laughs>